Welcome to Mediocre at Best, the show featuring mostly uninformed opinions about the stuff we love. Today, we're talking about movie adaptations of books, video games, and pretty much anything else we can think of. This is the official podcast of StunMode.com. I'm George. I'm Chase. And I'm Liza Minnelli. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, we're looking at the news! This week in the news, it's time for the only news we care about, nerd news. Chase, give me some news. Alright, I don't know if this counts as nerd news or like nostalgia news, but on my my trendy Facebook (laughs) trending list, I just read that they are currently working on an adaptation, a live action adaptation, so we're keeping it on theme today, of the Magic Treehouse series. Do you remember those, like, Dinosaurs Before Dark and all yeah. those weird alliterations, like Dolphins Before Dinner Time, all those weird adventures? I don't remember what those were. Yeah, those were... I flips all the time, and I'm like, this is awesome? I'm yeah, those were great. I, I, I grew up reading those, uh, and by grew up, I mean, like, read them when I was very, very young. <laughs> well, yeah, that's how things happen when you grow up. Yeah. yeah, I don't imagine I you did that. Him, but mm-hmm. is that the one where it had like Abraham Lincoln like leading the kids into the log cabin and stuff on the cover? Yes, I feel like that was one. Okay, that's, I that's never read this because that looks suspicious. <laughs> Abraham, <laughs> if that's the only one you see, that's probably suspicious. But you know, if you see like yeah. the kid riding the pterosaur, like that's pretty fun. Wait, like, wait, hold on, like, hold, on hold on, hold on, hold on. I need to go back. Why do you think Abraham Lincoln leading children into a log ca- log cabin? Is suspicious, Matt. He's this—he's a president I, of our country. You ever see the size of his hat? <laughs> you think he stuffs children yeah, in there? Suspicious. Hey, I'm not saying anything. I'm, I don't think it's children he's got stuffed in there. But uh, <laughs> what the, what the hell? <laughs> All right, we're gonna start this place in a weird spot. Um, it's the best I'm place to start. I just know I can't look at a penny the same way again, Matt. Thanks. Off with the penny. I've been advocating that for a while. No, seriously, we need to get rid of the penny. It's all about pennies are awesome. No, they're they're not. <laughs> Have you ever worked retail? Yeah. No. You should not hate retail specific. It's service, I guess. I don't know. You should yeah. still hate pennies, even if you're a server. If I ever find pennies on on a table of mine, I'm like, I'm always annoyed by it. But, like, they're trying to spread some good luck and stuff, I don't know. Not if that that shit is tails up. That shit is bad karma, and I want it away from me. (laughs) Anyways, Uh, moving on with the news. Matt, what do you got? Uh, So, apparently, apparently, uh, Nintendo might be releasing Mother 3, which is... uh, uh, a sequel to Earthbound, and it was never released in America, but it might get released, but Nintendo's pretty much keeping their mouth shut about it. Uh, I don't think they're going to do it, because Nintendo, if any bit of their fan base wants something, Nintendo just says no. <laughs> so, uh, everyone's really starting to get crazy about it on the internet today, uh, about this game, and I think Nintendo will just smite them at this point. <laughs> That you think they're not going to release it just to spite the people who are like, make the game! Oh, absolutely. I feel like that's like their their means of existence at this point is saying, hey, what do you guys want? And then saying, no! At this point, I feel like we are all just in an, an abusive relationship with Nintendo. Yep. <laughs> and, and, and related, because oh, it was, uh, this was a two-parter news for me, just by things Nintendo would not do. Uh-oh is that Detective Pikachu coming out, how everyone is signing the the waiver for uh, Danny DeVito to voice Detective Pikachu. <laughs> I don't think they'll do it, but I would really love if Nintendo did that. I think we would all love that. <laughs> uh, no, Danny DeVito's creepy, but um, that's pretty fun. I don't know what I'm saying. I had something to say. <laughs> the look Matt is giving you right now. <laughs> Danny DeVito is a national treasure. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. So, 
Matt thinks Danny DeVito is a national treasure, but he doesn't like Abraham Lincoln. I don't think he has a problem with Abraham. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I thought I was going to back so, you up. So now we've like, pushed yes, off. I do have an issue. We've, now we've pushed off soccer moms and conservative posters from our. <laughs> because now it's like he's against Abraham Lincoln. Uh, speaking of pushing off conservative posters, um, my bit of news for this week, I don't know if you guys saw this, Marvel CEO Ike Perlmutter donated $1 million to Donald Trump. Uh, you sent that link. Uh, I didn't know what the process. I didn't know what to do with that information, aside from burn my computer. <laughs> um, so that, that's, that's pretty much what I've got to say, but I knew, I knew I chose DC for a reason. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was when I saw that I was I was really taken aback. I was it's like I had to question some life choices. <laughs> well, well, from what I understand is that you know this Ike Perlmutter guy, he's the guy that's kind of been in the uh, in the Marvel, at least in the film world. He's the one that's been very much urging like, here we need cookie cutter stories that are going to make this amount of money, and we just need to churn them out and. So he basically represents everything that's kind of bad with the Marvel system. Because uh, uh, recently uh, with the new Disney thing, Paul Feige, uh, who has been like a big creative developer there, has been given permission to bypass Ike Perlmutter and go straight to the people who he needs to talk to. So you're going to get a little bit more of that creative freedom back to your uh, creators with these movies coming out. But, um, but yeah, Ike, he doesn't sound cool, and that's a lot of money to be given to an already billionaire. Why the hell are you giving him more money? Yeah, he doesn't need any money. I think Donald Trump watched, uh, the producers before going into his campaign, because with people giving him all this money, I feel like he just sat down and just said, never put your own money in the show! (laughs) He's just keeping all of his money and not actually spending any money on the campaign. Mm -hmm. Which, you Uh, know, that's... You know what they say, you make more money from a flop. <laughs> then get that hit. Uh, we can only I mean, hope it's a flop. I, the thing is, like, I'm, I wasn't really surprised when I heard that. I was like, eh, you know. Same shit as always. Yeah, like, <laughs> what are you going to do? All right, moving on. Chase, uh, what's your next bit of news? Oh, uh, well, we've got some new news from the wizarding world of Harry Potter. I don't know if y'all caught some of this action that went down. I don't know what kind of... But some kind of wizard press conference or something. I don't remember what the actual function was. I was watching a video. But J.K. Rowling released like the names to some of the um, other wizarding schools in the world. There's a school in Japan. There's a school in Africa. There's a school in Brazil. There is a school... And she... One in North America called Ilvermorny. They released a name for that. Apparently, you can learn a lot more on Pottermore, but I haven't been on Pottermore since I figured out my house and realized, like, that's all that I really want to do on that website. But it's cool. It sounds exciting. <laughs> Apparently, um, the new the new movie will feature some students from Ilvermorny because uh, the whole movie will be set in New York. So that should be interesting. Some. Some expansion on the the, the Harry Potter world, because that's one of those things that, you know, as they were talking, they're like, you guys in North America, you would go to this school. And I'm like, no, I would go to Hogwarts. Shut up. Like, that. everybody just thought they were going to Hogwarts. I thought, that was, no, don't tell me I can't go to Hogwarts. I have to go to, like, some B-lit-rated shit in fucking New Hampshire. I don't know where that is. I want to go to Hogwarts. I don't care about Silver Morning. It probably so, is in New Hampshire, knowing... Uh... Knowing Americans. Something like that. I don't know. It's supposed to be, like, somewhere in the mountains, so it's, like, not easily stumbled upon. So it's either in the Appalachian Mountains or Rocky Mountains or there's some Smoky Mountains. That's all the mountains I know. I don't know. <laughs> Those are probably the only ones. Like it's fine. She wrote about Ted. Like, that would be so awesome. That would be actually pretty cool. I would love that. I don't think it's very discreet, all the tourists just taking pictures. <laughs> Like, there's dudes playing Quidditch on, like, Abe Lincoln's face, but, you know. What is it with Abe Lincoln and being in this podcast this week? I don't know. Maybe because he was a very influential person in American history, Matt. (laughs) 
I would like to put forward that Chase is probably working with the Illuminati at this point and has wiggled his way into this. So, conspiracy theories today. It's all on the screen. Conspiracy theories today. What do you got for us? Uh, so, uh, the X-Files. <laughs> uh, wow, that was been, that was appropriate. Has been on a roll. Um, I saw that they were having the the two episode premiere now what two weeks ago from when we're recording this had similar ratings and viewers as they did in their peak back in 1996. Yeah, which is really big for any any show to come back after all that time to have those kind of numbers. But also that they just did this last Monday was their first Monster of the Week episode which are like fan favorites, but it was one of the funniest episodes of television I've ever seen. Oh. Uh, Yeah, it was so funny. Uh, I don't want to give anything away, but it was like, um, Reese Darby from Flight of the Concords was in it. What? Yeah, he was like the main, one of the main characters. It was so funny. Well, that's exciting because I watched the, uh, I watched the two episode premiere uh, earlier this week and really, really enjoyed it. And, uh, I'm looking forward to this next episode. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I have another bit of news. It turns out, you you guys, uh, did, did either of you ever play the video game Doom? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was like actually one of the few video games I played. My dad had it on like his laptop, and I used to well, play it all the time. Great. You will be excited then. Um, what? Yeah. Excitement. Um, the, they are making a new version of the original game. And it has a release date. When's the release date? The release date is... Hold for me to find it. I can't hold <laughs> anymore, Matt. George! I'll blame it on me. <laughs> it's probably Matt's fault. I had it written down, but he... Now, I saw the trailer earlier today, and it, it's a really good upgrade. It just looks great. What? Oh, there's excitement. Where is it? Come on, George. Where's your nose? It vanished. I'm sorry. I... Conspiracy Tuesday! Oh, okay, it's coming out uh, May 13th. What? So that's, that's actually true. very soon. I feel like that's an important day for some reason. Sounds May, important. May 13th? I don't know. It sounds important. Is Maybe because that's when Doom's coming out. out. Oh. I don't know. Um, that sounds cool. Does uh, anybody maybe. else have any more news? Um, no, I think I'm good. Perfect. Moving Fine. on. Welcome back to Mediocre at Best. It's time to dig deep and get to the important stuff. This week, we're talking about adaptations. Matt, what you got? So, for mine this week, uh, the one that I really thought was uh, a play being adapted into a... Uh, yeah, you got a rise out of all of you. A play being adapted into a film. And the play that I thought of was Neil Simon's Rumors, which is a farce. Ah, uh, I love that play. Here's my uh, my argument for it. In 1992, there was a movie that came out based on the best-selling farce of all time, Noises Off. <laughs> and that film starred, I mean, Christopher Reeves in it, Michael Caine, uh, John Ritter, and of course, Carol Burnett, who is the greatest of all time. <laughs> uh, she is. She is the best. Um, I'm not arguing that with you. That movie was 100%. They used the same script with like one or two line changes um, for the screenplay. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about like faithful adaptations, that's about as true as they come. Mm-hmm. So if that same treatment was done for this farce, uh, that is what I would really love to see be made into a film. Oh, that would be cool. Um, I think that is interesting. We don't think... Uh... I don't know why, I, when I'm like, hey, let's talk about adaptations we want to see. I never think play. There are a lot of great movies that are based off of plays, um, but I, I never think of that, and I think that's an interesting way to go. Yeah, I, I think, I am on board for that. Can we make talk, that? Talk, talk to yes. me a little bit about rumors. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with the play. I'm familiar with Neil Simon, just not this specific play. Uh, what is it that you like about it? What do you think makes it, uh, lends it great, uh, film quality? Uh, who would you see in it? Given that Matt has performed in it more recently, uh, I'm going to let him take this one. Um, so the whole, the whole bit of it is, um, it's a big dinner party. Turns out the master of the house has what appears to be suicide. He tried to kill himself. Um, ended up only shooting himself in the ear. 
But it's, uh, the dinner guests can't let other people know. The wife's missing. These dinner guests keep coming in, and it's everyone trying to micromanage and get everything together, and then the cops show up <laughs> for a completely unrelated reason. So, it, uh, you know, it is just like, it is a tour de force farce. Okay. Um, tour de farce. Oh! Uh, <laughs> like the Cable Guy movie. Boo! Um, uh, uh, but it's this movie, and it's things keep getting worse. There's a lot of misunderstandings. Uh, you know, <laughs> the one of the main characters gets a gun goes off close to his ear, so he's deaf at one point. So he's not understanding what people are saying to him. So he's just shouting random words at people, which has uh, since been stolen by several TV shows and and movies, oh etc. All the time. Uh, it's just it is so funny. But I feel like it would just be one of those shows, or one of those shows that could be adapted into a film that would work so well with your comedy greats. Like, when has Martin Short been in a movie lately? Oh my he would god. Be perfect for this. Huh. I would love to see him in that. Because yeah, be everyone's like that age range, if you're not familiar. Like, everyone's in their 40s or 50s, um, mm. with the exception of one or two, young, a younger couple. Uh, I just think it'd be a really great time to pull out all the comedy greats who aren't really working right now in film. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because really, like, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, even though they're doing a lot of film, would be hurting one of the female characters in the show. Yes. Because uh, they're so versatile. But that, that's my pitch. That's who. That's what I'd like oh, to see. And if you haven't read the, the play, go read it. Oh, I'm definitely going to check out that play. That sounds awesome. Um. That's really cool. I like that a lot. Uh, how how do you feel about, you know, we've had a string of recent plays that have been um, kind of your adaptations. We've had your August Osage County. We had Carnage that was relatively recently. Um, you know, how do you feel plays have been done recently, aside from, like, your Shakespeare's, like, but you're, you're more uh, something that's a little different. How have you seen plays adapted so far? I feel like what's interesting, and maybe George, maybe he'll disagree with me. Um, I think it always works better when a play goes to the screen rather than something from the screen goes to the stage. I I, I don't know why you think I would disagree with you. I 100% agree with you. Because oh, I know. We all know that George is a big fan of Shrek the Musical. I. No. No, sir. Yeah. I will not entertain that joke. That poster behind you, George. We see it every time we do this podcast. Uh, okay, so here's the thing. I I don't actually. Okay, that's a song. No, I okay. I do not hate Shrek the Musical. I <laughs> I don't think it needs to exist, but I don't think the fact that it exists is a burden on the world. You know, I think there's some good songs in that musical. I I think the one that. Uh, Matt, you were you and I talked about this a bunch when you were uh, doing like stuff for. Uh, was it for Showcase? Yeah, you know, I I blocked it out. It's all blurred together, but we were talking about it, and you were gonna do a song from that for something. Yeah. Um, that was pretty funny, and it was the whichever one, the Lord Farquaad song, I think, was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's a couple playing yeah. Yeah, I mean, so there's merit to it. It's not my favorite thing in the world. Okay. He got a little sidetracked on George defending his stance on Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, I mean, that's what happens on this show. This is mediocre at best. We throw out a wild accusation and then George spent 20 minutes trying to clear the air. <laughs> um, well, no, I just think it's, interesting. it's an interesting point that the stage and the screen always share these stories back and forth. Um, and I think it's just funny to see what holds and what doesn't. Because then going back to the Noises Off movie, nothing's changed. The stage directions are exactly the same because it's such, um, and maybe it only works because it's a farce and farces are very much like, do this, then do this, then you do this. There's no room for, uh, well, now we can throw in a gunfight, you know, <laughs> it's like, they well, you know, we can have a couple explosions and car chases here. Well, one of the things about... Uh, I feel like I'm always talking about structure on this damn podcast. The, one well, of the things that... Structure is great. One of the things about farce is that it's it's super, super structured. It's like a... It's, it's formulaic comedy at its best. You, you start to screw with that structure and 
like if you take if you take rumors and you start to screw with it the structure yeah. you start to change things and you you're like I'm an artsy director I'm going to I'm going to do something different you'll screw it up you'll ruin it because it's it's I'm not going to say it's perfect because nothing's perfect but it's I mean it's structured the way it is for a reason well, not sure. The musical is pretty I close mean, to perfection. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you've seen Spice World. Ah, yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I wanted to be the one that threw in the joke. Matt beat me to it, but I had that Spice World one ready to go. And I'm like, I'm no. doing it anyway. Same as Spice World. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not know what Spice World is? I don't. <laughs> it's the, the Spice Girls movie. It was great. Okay. I watched it one time while we were on vacation because I was supposed to take a nap, but I accidentally swallowed a penny instead. And so my mom <laughs> made me go watch a movie with my sister. Oh, wait a we, had a... <laughs> we had a whole talk about getting rid of the penny, and you were the only one who defended it. <laughs> and you're the one who wants to keep it? It's because it's, it's in him now. In me. Uh... Something ain't right there. <laughs> oh man yeah and guess what jet fuel doesn't melt steel beans either chase all right we hear you oh okay wow uh, that escalated quickly we, i thought we could talk about rumors some more but ben is not qualified to talk anymore oh man I've been blacklisted. All right, I think I'm, I'm making a I'm making an executive decision right now, um, okay. and I'm making it on air, so you know it's serious. Uh oh. Um, next podcast that is next week, uh, our topic will be conspiracy theories. Yes. So long. I've I've been so close to making my own podcast just to do conspiracy theories. And I, and every, I think. Every day. And I think that it's technically Chase's turn to lead. But, no, it's but, technically Matt's turn to lead. Oh, perfect. That works great. Yeah. That, oh, you're going right, to learn so food. much. We're ready for Conspiracy Fears Day. Uh, Be prepared to not trust anyone. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so I'm going to take you down a dark, dark hole next week. Uh, oh, no. And that's actually the back cover slogan of the Abraham Lincoln issue of those books. <laughs> <laughs> If it's all right, uh, I'm now going to talk about my yeah. dream adaptations. Let's talk about your dream adaptation. All right. So there's been a lot of Shakespeare movie adaptations. Um, and some of them have even been decent. Um, yeah. But a lot of them are real bad. Um, that are decent. I'm just curious what you consider decent as a, a diehard Shakespeare fan. Um, I really, really love uh, Ian McKellen's Richard the Third. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really enjoy uh, pretty much all of. Oh man, this happens to me every time. I need to think of someone's name. <laughs> uh, this will Chase Gilderoy Lockhart. Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh, thank you. Um, I really love Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. Um, And really, I mean, Kenneth Branagh does a lot of great Shakespeare work. Um, I I really enjoy, more recently, Joss Whedon's uh, Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah. Uh, Though there's a lot of controversy about that one. A lot of people that I know who love classical theater really don't like that movie. I... That's the thing. None of them have been able to give me a super straight answer. Um, they, you know, Much Ado About Nothing has a very, I mean, at least for most of uh, most of the plot, is it's very whimsical and it's it's very yeah. it's almost farcical in some parts, um, or it can be if you if you play it right. Um, but uh, you know, some some people say that the movie is not uh, in the right spirit. I can see that almost, you know, it's not, it didn't, it definitely wasn't like laugh a minute, it had almost a little bit more of a somber tone throughout. Sure, but here's my counter-argument, and my counter-argument to that is that, uh, you know, 
in the world of Shakespeare, there's room for, for adaptations. There's room for different takes on the same idea. Like, Much Ado About Nothing is a play that is about a lot of different things. Um, and you can choose to highlight... Highlight? What the hell? Um, <laughs> you can choose to highlight certain aspects of it to make them more prominent. You know, just as you would if you were directing a show on stage, you choose which bits to focus on, because you, you have to choose. You cannot yeah. focus on everything. Um, you have to choose what's important to you when you're making a play, or making really making anything. You have to, you have to make choices. Um, and I think Joss Whedon made some different choices that a lot of people may not agree with, but he made valid choices. Um, mm -hmm. and I think it's a story worth watching. Oh, definitely. Um, so that, I mean, just for the record, that one definitely goes on my list of... Uh, oh, very awesome. Well, but cool. but my, back to what I was getting at, um, I really want to see uh, every single Shakespeare play in the entire canon get made into a great movie. Okay. And one day, when I am rolling in billions of dollars, um, mm -hmm. I'm going to make all those movies. <laughs> just, just you with a camera in your backyard, just, just going at it. No. <laughs> Funny story. That's also the back slogan for the <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. Stop saying words. <laughs> Told you the inside cover. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's all. No, no, um, no. I feel that. That's a that's an awesome aspiration. What's if you if somebody gave you a billion dollars and said, "Let's make your your canon," what would be your first one off the bat? Oh what would you go Oh shit! I know um, you tried to get too general. I'm making you get focused. What we doing? Um, I think I would go with. I'm gonna okay. You know what I'm gonna go with? Uh, I'm gonna go with Henry the Fourth Part One. Uh, all those who who aren't uh, super. So um, the lexicon. So I I really love that play. It's one of the history plays um, from Shakespeare's canon, which means that it's uh, it's a little more dense. Um, which means it's super boring. Only if it's done wrong. Um, so basically. You have a what? What happens is uh, Henry the Henry the Fourth's father um, is sorry. No, let me start up. I'm fucking wrong. Um, Henry the Fourth is the king in this in this uh, play, and he is uh, basically there's a rebellion uh, because of some stuff that I won't get into because it's a long thing, and uh, his son Hal who eventually becomes Henry V in another play, is off, like, carousing and drinking and not doing the things that he should be doing as mm -hmm. a prince of England. So the, over the course of the play, he basically comes to terms with what he is supposed to be doing, and it's really the rise of Henry V. Okay. Um, the whole play uh, culminates in this gigantic, huge battle um, wherein uh, Henry uh, V joins his father on the battlefield and uh, ends up, spoiler alert, it's a play that's been out for hundreds of years, it's fine. Um, oh. Hal ends up uh, killing the leader of the rebel forces um, and basically like cements himself as a reliable heir. Um, which is very timely for reasons that I won't get into. Well, that's cool. I like that. Um, very cool. Uh, I think that's that's. I think it's interesting with your 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 out of like I said. If you're gonna do, I uh, I don't know why I'm like I I thought it, I just compared it to like the Marvel Cinematic Universe where you have to tie everything in <laughs> like the Shakespeare Cinematic Universe. First, we're gonna start with a little known property called Henry the Fourth Part One. But don't worry, Hamlet's coming soon. Just wait, wait for Phase Seven. We'll get the Hamlet. Well, okay, I would like to do Hamlet, um, because there have been lots of Hamlet movies, um, and most of them make me irate. 
what is your opinions on the Ethan Hawke one? Did you see that one? Like, the super, like, modern one that was, like, in the 90s? Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Is that where he's in a skyscraper and he owns, like, a big business and stuff like that? Probably. Sounds like it. We're going to move on. (laughs) (laughs) That was everything that was happening at that time. We're like, we're going to do Shakespeare, but we're going to, like, make it, like, super cool and modern. So instead of owning palaces, they own towers and... They run on Microsoft industry. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's my that's my thing. I really want to see a lot more of Shakespeare's plays get made into movies, not by uh, Julie Taymor. <laughs> you didn't like Tempest? No. Did she also do Titus Andronicus? Actually, I liked her Titus Andronicus, but huh? but mostly just because it had. Uh, Hopkins. Uh, yeah, Anthony Hopkins in it. Yeah, that was one I was always interested in seeing. I remember always seeing that cover like in the in Blockbuster. I'm like, what is this? I want to see this. I uh, I watched like, it in like, Shakespeare class at uh, at SCAD. Yeah, the one that I took with the super old guy. Yeah, I remember. I remember those stories. The guy who fell asleep every other class <laughs> halfway through class. So, you know, that's always what you want from your Shakespeare teacher. I'm like, Shakespeare's not boring, but I might fall asleep during my own lecture. So, just just saying, Shakespeare's cool, if you can stay away. Yeah, going, just for, you know, going off that for just a second, I just want to go on the record. I could have skipped every single one of those classes <laughs> if there wasn't a, an attendance policy in place. Um, uh-huh. And still have aced the final test. Really? Yeah. Or I could have just come in on every test day and and oh. still aced the entire class. Jordan's super on top of his Shakespeare. Well, that and also he chose, like, the easiest ones. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't read Henry the Fourth Part 1 in that class? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. Um... Now I feel like I gotta find a play. Y'all didn't play. I'm like, I was, I was like talking like maybe a comic book. Well, you can talk. Book. You can talk about whatever you want. It is. <laughs> no, 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 definitely. I don't know enough plays. I, I for someone who wanted to write plays, I don't have enough plays off the top of my head to do this. Uh, but I do have what I would do as my dream Superman movie. If anybody's interested in that. So, since we're all kind of talking about stuff we love, I know George loves some Shakespeare. Let's talk about some Superman. I love some Superman. And I, we are in the middle of kind of, you know, we're in the middle of DC Cinematic Universe, which if anybody has listened to me talk, read anything, you know, I'm not very, very satisfied with what's happening with the world of Superman. But, um, you know, it's, like I said, it's hard to write a good Superman movie that's a good it's hard to write a good superman story to begin with i don't read a ton of superman from issue to issue just because of that issue everybody's kind of have their own take on it so it's hard to pick like this is the piece that i'm going to do a straight adaptation of Uh, i think you could do that with like superman birthright i think mark wade uh did a really good take on uh a new um a new superman origin i think um that if you haven't read that comic, did I make you read that, George? I know I had it from the the library for a while. Um, yes, I think you did. But yeah, it's 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 pretty it's a pretty stunning uh pretty stunning story uh start to finish. I think if you put that in, just made that a movie, that itself is just it's it's I think it's cinematic worthy. I think it's one of the best Lex Luthor plots I've ever seen. He gets a piece of uh, of tech that that Superman has and learns all about Krypton, and so as a way to discredit Superman, he stages a Kryptonian invasion in order to like have his own like Lex core like superhero like so he can come save the day from Superman and his whole clan and Superman's having to try to battle that. And I always thought that was a really 
being expensive because it's hard to write a Lex Luthor plot that doesn't revolve around like real estate. Um, <laughs> that's a, a running joke I hear, um, especially in the movies. It's like always trying to do something. It's like we're gonna sing California for money. And I'm like, oh, we can do something a little bit more inventive, um, other <laughs> than make Doomsday, which I think that's what they're doing in this one. Yeah, they how does that work, by the way? <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what's happening. Also, what moron decided to make What's-His-Face? What's the guy's name? Ooh, what? The guy playing Lex Luthor in the new movie. Jesse Eisenberg? What moron decided to make Jesse Eisenberg less Lex Luthor? The same guy who probably decided to cast him as Mark Zuckerberg and get him an Oscar nomination. They were trying to channel that same energy into this new Lex Luthor. Well... Or something like that. I think... I don't know. I'm. I, I don't like what I've seen in the trailers. I have a feeling like that's just a front, and he's gonna have like some devious nature to him. That's gonna be a little bit more similar to Black Luthor. But at the same time, I think all of that looks like a whole lot of garbage, and I don't know if I'm gonna even see it. So um, we'll see how that goes. But uh, aside from that, uh, one of my um, my favorite Superman stories, the one I would really, really like to see. As a uh, as a movie, as a TV show, as anything is uh, Superman: Peace on Earth. It's a it's a it's a giant uh, comic book that uh, is like a special edition done by Alex Ross, who's just, if you've never seen his art, it's beautiful. He does this like hyper realistic um, superhero art. He did uh, Kingdom Come and Justice, and it's just beautiful stuff. But Superman. Basically saying he, uh, he basically trying to bring peace on earth, and it's him going try to feed all the hungry, stop war, trying to do all these things to do use all of his mighty powers to bring peace and happiness. And it's and there's no big villain other than just the villains of human nature, and it's him. You know he tries to free you know bring food to the oppressed. Well, you've got dictators there, you know acting aggressively towards them and it's like it's one of those that you read it and it's just affecting because it's like no matter how much good you do you can't fix it all even though you are superman no matter how much food you bring you don't have enough for the next day you know yet there's this beautiful panel of him like he has just this ton ton of grain or rice or whatever and it's just this little boy being like are you going to be back tomorrow he's like well I can't, like, it's just that, that that defeating nature of, like, even though I have all these powers, there's not much I can do uh, beyond these little gestures. The fixing humanity is a, is a group effort, not just one thing one man can do. And it's just, it's a very, like I said, I it's, it's a super, I had to, like, buy it off, like, some back order thing. I don't know how I found it. Um, but it's a beautiful comic and I think it's one of the um, more affecting Superman stories I've ever read. And I think that would be like you said, I don't know if it's it's not going to sell blockbuster tickets, but if somebody wants to do like a tiny little Oscar piece about Superman, I think that's your, your go-to. And that's the kind of movie I want to see. I want to see like I said, I, I like I like superheroes that like your superhero, your superhero story should always be a foil to what human nature is, and it's trying to figure out how to deal with those things. And when it's just about the explosions and the guns and the hot babes, like you're kind of missing a golden opportunity to tell good stories. And that's why you kind of always devalue the, the superhero experience because you're not trying to use it as that catalyst. I have to say, Chase, you just made me want to watch Superman. Right. I think, I think, um, I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. I will go call DC and say that my pitch was a success and that they should get right on this movie. <laughs> Great. We, oh. we, we here at Stun Mode have a long list of movies well, that we need I'm to make. At, Matt? Because uh, I'm, um, I'm looking at the art you were talking about. Oh, uh, yeah. Is the entire book done in that, like, really hyper-realistic style? Oh, definitely. Yes. It's absolutely gorgeous. But um, I'll show y'all a panel. Like, boom, that's just a random panel. Oh, wow. It's just beautiful, beautiful artwork. I, I love Alex Ross. You know, um, he's just a masterful uh, artist. And like I said, he really elevates 
the whole medium to something just that's just awe inspiring. Uh, but they did a whole they did a series of these kind of these giant books, and then I use them as coffee table books. It's um, Superman, Peace on Earth, Shazam, Power of Hope, uh, Batman, War on Crime, and Wonder Woman: The Spirit of Truth. And these are just like I said, these are it's a series they did, and it's just they're so affecting of like. We're just going to get to the root of what makes this character them. And they're just the most pure superhero stories I've ever seen. It was just beautiful artwork. And I'm like, I love these. They're magical. So, yeah, that's the kind of that's the kind of adaptation I would see. Or I would really like to see why The Last Man finally become a movie. I know Zach Levi has been wanting to do it for years. And I think he would be perfect in it. And that's a really cool comic as well. And that should be a movie, too, because it looks fun. Yay! Uh, anybody got a, any quick ones they want to throw out there before we move on? I can only think of ones that I'd rather have redone. <laughs> Real quick, lightning round. Who wants to redo? Pick one movie you'd redo. Go. Hitchhiker's Guide. Uh, the Hobbit. Green Lantern. Boom! We did it. Look at that adaptation. Nicely done, Let's everybody. Uh, so that's. Um, I'm not gonna say that's it because uh, I do have like before we move on. I have one sort of more broad question than I want to ask. What do we think makes a good adaptation uh, versus what makes a bad adaptation? Alright, um, I'll jump in real quick. Because um, I have I have feelings about this topic. Um, because I, I'm not... My biggest thing with adaptations, more than getting the letter right, more than getting every bit of information you need or every scene or portraying the character in the you know, the way everybody imagined, is just getting the spirit of the movie, of the piece you're adapting. You know, I think I'll give a movie a lot of credit if, you know, yeah, it wasn't executed the best, but they knew, they, they got the idea behind it. They were trying to get after um, the larger themes, uh, what really made that book itself. Um, I, think, I think that, more than anything, is... The key to making a good uh, a good adaptation is really capturing the spirit of of whatever you are adapting. Uh, I, I I refer back to like perks of being a wallflower movie. You know, it's not a letter, it's not a paint by numbers adaptation. It's you're they're missing a lot of scenes, a lot of relationships are a little different. But that movie made you feel the same way that book made me feel, and I think that's a powerful move. You know, when you can trans. I don't think I don't think you should. Um, you know, they they'll do that with a comic book like Sin City. It's like, look, it's panel for panel. Like they did it exactly that way. But like, I don't think you should always do that with a movie. You know, it's a different medium. You got to approach it differently. But I think, um, and, and I think there are movies where like certain moves were the better move for the movie. Uh, where like, watch uh, what's it called, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. I remember the the whole the whole sequence with the Hungarian horntail is so much better in the movie than it is in the book because you have a different medium and it's a visual medium so you have a very visual action scene as opposed to what's in the book is very much like okay I stole your egg oh you're on a chain you're not we're gonna stay very contained with this very quick and we're gonna move on. Well, um, sorry, let me interrupt you. I I th I think you have a point. Uh, certainly, but I do want to make the argument that it's not necessarily better. It's mm -hmm. just better for that medium. Because that, I would argue that the book version of that scene is is just as valid and just as good because it sparked my imagination mm -hmm. and made me imagine that scene more than what was actually written. Like, I imagined what ha what had to happen for him to get the egg. You know what I mean? Whereas the movie, as you said, is a visual medium, and we have to actually see it happen. Definitely. I think I think that, uh, like I said, you played more into uh, what I was trying to say. So I use my words clumsily. Um, but, yeah, it's taking advantage of those, those medium advantages. Uh, I think that was an effective use of it. And that's kind of one of my go-to moves when I'm talking about um, that change, that transition. Um, but that's my my ideas. What about you, Matt? Um, for me, it comes down to really just simply faithful adaptations of the characters. Mm -hmm. um, 
faithful representations of what they stand for and like their inner monologues and things. Because I feel like if you don't have that, you're losing the heart of the story. Um, and, and like, I guess, uh, like if you, cause you were saying Harry Potter, I think the reason those movies work so well is because they really captured the heart of each character, even minor characters. Mm. Maybe they did things or said something that changed the story a little bit to fit like a story for that medium. But I mm-hmm. feel like on all the heart was still there. Um, and I think that's what most, that's what's most important. I think, I, th- I think that's definitely, all. that's definitely a great point. Yeah. But on the flip side, uh, just to play my own devil's advocate for, uh, sometimes you get something that might be better. Uh, mm. for instance, like, uh, if you read any of the Agatha Christie Poirot novels, he's not, <laughs> which I am, um, he is not the same guy as you see David Suchet masterfully play in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nearly there, but he's, you know, maybe more kind or more generous in the show rather than the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a choice. I guess that's what's like deliberate. If choices are going to be made, make them deliberate, not just yeah. um, not just not understanding the source material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, for me, sorry, uh, for me, that's that's one of the things that's really important is, uh, like, I don't, I think that you have to be able to separate things. Like, you have to be able to take a movie. Um, we'll, we'll we'll keep running with the Harry Potter example because it's a good one. Um, mm-hmm. You have to, as a, both a creator and as a, uh, a a receiver of the content, uh, you have to be able to separate the two mediums. Um, you have to accept, as soon as you're making or watching Harry Potter the movies, you have to accept, okay, this is not going to be the a word-for-word, letter-for-letter representation of the book. And if mm-hmm. I... Like, but you have to understand your source material and you have to respect your source material. And I think, you know, there's definitely instances where you can see, um, I'll use, we, we, we've, I think we've called out Aragon, the movie a couple times on this show, um, <laughs> but I'm going to call it out again. Um, Go for it. <laughs> I think that movie, um, is not a good adaptation for the reason that I don't think that the people who made it uh, understood their source material or mm-hmm. or really understood what it was about. Um, I, yeah. I, I mean, I can definitely see that. Um, not, not that I've ever seen that movie because it never looked very appealing to me. I remember wanting to read those books and also never getting around to it. Uh, <laughs> I own them. Oh, very good. I remember in ninth grade, I got a 99 on an essay I was supposed to write about that book, even though I never read that book ever, never even bought it, and I only missed a point because I misspelled the author's name. I had a friend of mine tell me what it was about like the day before. It was awesome. Nice. But that's just me, me humble bragging about my laziness. (laughs) Um, But no, I don't... That was my point. Is that I just want to tell that story. You continue to talk about Aragon. Uh, no, that was that was pretty much it. Uh, I think we should move on. Yeah, let's move on. But no, I think that's. I think we made some great points on that. I think um, adaptations are interesting, and it's one of those things to talk about because we are getting so many of them. It's true. So many. But also the thing that we don't uh, talk about often is that how many of the quote unquote best movies ever. Are adaptations. We, uh, other, the novel. We're gonna have to talk about that another time. I mean, you're absolutely right. That is uh, that will make no, a great topic for a future podcast. Okay. Um, because we could. I mean, we could talk about that all day. No, I wasn't talking about. It. I was just using it as a finishing statement. Oh, sorry. That's all good. I fucked it up. Welcome back to mediocre at best. This week, we're doing something a little bit different. We're going to play a game. This game is called Commit to It. It's a game where we, uh, 
I'm going to give these gentlemen, Matt and Chase, a prompt. Uh, and that is going to be from a list of uh, books, uh, video games, comics, uh, what have you. A random list compiled earlier without telling them what it was. I'm going to give them one randomly. Um, it might not be one that they know. Um, and they have to pitch me a movie of it. And if I think that they have done it well, then I will give them a point. If I think they're waffling, or they don't know what they're doing, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna move on to the next person. I might even take away a point if it's bad enough. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel like I've already started with, like, negative five points. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's gonna be great, or it's gonna be terrible. But we're hoping for great. <laughs> we're always hoping for greatness. Gentlemen, are you ready? I'll never be ready for this, but I'll try. All right, who wants to start? Matt does. I do. All right. <laughs> Matt, pitch me Huckleberry Finn, the movie. In a world where the entire world is made of rivers, one boy and a raft find friendship on a river. <laughs> Starring Christian Bale as Huckleberry Finn. <laughs> Alright, you, you get a point. That's a that's a point. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh my god. I gotta set my game up. Alright, Chase. Oh god. Skyrim, the movie. Alright, so there's this giant cat person. And he is walking around. And he's he wants to be So his name is Jared. Jared the giant person. <laughs> and he wants to be the best warrior he's ever wanted. That's ever been a part of the community. Because <laughs> um, he comes from a noble line of warriors, and they all thought that he was the kind of the runt, and you know he'd never be much of anything. But he's going to prove them wrong. Well, he decides he's going to run into battle way premature. And basically, before he's done his proper training, he's going to get his ass kicked a bunch. And he's going to keep trying because he's got the warrior spirit. But eventually, life's going to beat him down. He's going to throw all this shit in a river. He's going to just wander Skyrim, just chopping wood, selling it, being the lumberjack. This is called Lumberjack Kitty Skyrim. <laughs> all right, I'll give, you, I'll give you a point, but just as a, <laughs> just as a warning, that was your warm-up. Shut up! <laughs> all right. I don't have a narrator <laughs> Figure it out. All right, Matt. Settlers of Catan, the movie. This summer, a wacky family of four head over to Catan to make a tent. Mom, played by Jennifer Aniston, Dad, Will Forte, and the two kids, two actors you've never heard of, are going to build a tent, and they're going to settle Catan. <laughs> All right, points. Yeah. Uh... All right, Matt. Uh, sorry, not Matt. Chase. Okay. Uh, the Three Musketeers. So Jimmy walks into a 7-Eleven, and all they have is fucking Snickers. This dude wants nothing more than a Three Musketeers. <laughs> together with a two of the nims, the yellow one and the red, obviously. And they've got to storm the castle that is Target. And reclaim the three musketeers for the 7-Eleven so that it can get that way-free lightness goodness. All right, I'll give you a point. What? You need two. That is a two-pointer right there. All you right, Matt thinks you get two points, so you get two points. That was two points. Yeah! <laughs> All right. Uh, just for the record, Chase, that sounds like it should be some kind of, like, Harold and Kumar-esque, uh, yeah. like, movie. And Neil Patrick Harris has to be in it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, he plays he plays the store clerk. All right, uh, Matt, give me. Just to let you know, I'm winning three two. By the way. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm I'm keeping track. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, Matt, give me Superman versus Muhammad Ali. <laughs> they used to be lovers. <laughs> <laughs> now. They've become enemies. This June, Superman takes on his dark past, 
but not black. I meant dark as in has secrets. <laughs> Rebel Wilson is Superman. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg is Muhammad Ali. <laughs> Oh my god, okay. I'm giving you two points for that. That was comedy gold. <laughs> I think you broke Chase. <laughs> Alright, Chase. Yeah. Give me novel accurate Frankenstein. So it just starts with me. <laughs> Sleeping. I've got a book on my chest. I've got a couple notes scribbled in it. And I don't get very far because Buffy's on. <laughs> Is that That's it? very accurate. For, for it's very time. novel accurate, my, my, <laughs> my recollection. Uh, so given that that is not a pitch for a movie, I'm going to have to take a point from you. <laughs> you take a point! I'm taking... Oh, that's cruel. We live in a cruel Fine, world. fine. I won't take a point, but I'm, I won't take a point, but I'm not giving you a point for that either. Okay, fine. Uh, that's the one I've kind of even read. Damn it. <laughs> All right, Matt. Yeah. Give, give me, give me Calvin and Hobbes the movie from Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Calvin and Hobbes, the bloodthirsty duo, make their way through Detroit, blowing away every old woman and handicap in sight. <laughs> Watch out, motherfuckers! It's Calvin and Hobbes, and then play like a like a jam band. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know, George. What's your ruling? I don't know that I can give you points for that, Matt. Like, it was, it was the handicaps, wasn't it? It was the handicaps. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's just that I had I had hopes that you would actually try and. Pitch me Calvin and Hobbes the movie. Boom. Burn. Boom. He looks so hurt right now. <laughs> I, I just gave you a trip. <laughs> he gave us their score and everything, but still no points. No points! Yeah. No points. Alright, time to come back. Let's Matt, you're I'm lagging. Am I back? Yeah. Chase is like having a seizure on my screen. Right now. <laughs> yeah, you're good. I'm good. Let's you're go back. Ahead. You're back. Go. Like, All right, Chase, your neck is cracked on my screen. All right, Chase. Yes, sir. Lord of the Flies, the movie. All right. Um, well, this this is. Um. Uh oh. Back disqualified. What? 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 Pick. pick it. Uh, no. Nope. No. Wow. Uh, uh, is it not? Damn it. No. <laughs> was just like short out and uh, you would think that my screen was frozen and I'd have time to think. Nope. That. All right. No Bye. points. All right. There's only one chance left for each of you. Oh. So what's the score? What's the score? The score is four to three in Matt's favor. Oh, gosh. Matt. Yeah. God, that's terrifying, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Send me a picture of what my screen looked like, and it's terrifying. Oh my gosh. You had a broken neck for three minutes to me. All right. See, my pitch, my pitch for Lord of the Flies. So I was in there. No. <laughs> uh, darn it. All right, Matt. Give me your pitch Damn. for Quidditch Through the Ages. Ooh, I'm interested. From the producers of Downton Abbey comes Quidditch Through the Ages. Follow Meryl Streep in this documentary towards all things Quidditch from 1874 to 2004. Everyone knows Quidditch stopped in 2004 because of steroid usage. I'm Metal Street. Welcome. She's not even British, but she's trying. To quidditch through the ages. Dun, 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 all right, dun, all right, all right, all right. None of these have been pitches. You get a point. They're fantastic. All right. 
I probably need is just one good joke, and I can win this. All right, Chase. You, <laughs> terribly unfunny. You need a really good, a really good one. Oh, uh, don't give me, don't give me the one. Don't give it to me. Uh, <laughs> um. All right. I would like you to give me Shazam the movie. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Any day now. No. All right. Shazam the movie. That's. All right. First things first. We need Shaquille O'Neal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows that little Billy Batson wants to become Shaquille O'Neal. With, with one word. The magic of one word. He can become one of the greatest, most dominant centers of all time. So. <laughs> Here's my story. We've got <laughs> Billy Batson, and he's got to play Aaron Carter for the fate of the world in a game of basketball. All right? So, he uses the Shazam. Boom! Shaquille O'Neal. But plot, plot twist. We all know how Aaron Carter beat Shaq. So... Is everybody? Is nobody following my my my, my sick point two thousands reference? <laughs> you were doing so well. Don't screw it up now. No one's doing well. No one's really enjoying this with me. Anyway, you mean the Shazam movie. <laughs> the Shazam <laughs> with Shaq. Is that what we're doing? <laughs> I, I took the Shazam movie and pitched the, the, the music video for Aaron Carter's. That's how I beat Shaq. Alright, I'm gonna give you I shouldn't, but I'm gonna give you two points for that because I want to do the finale that I planned. It's so are we tied? You are. Okay. <laughs> I like that. By technicality, because I wanna do this thing I thought of, you get to continue to play this game. Alright. Uh I am going to uh give you both the same prompt, uh -oh. and uh, one of you is going to pitch it first, and the other person is going to pitch it second. Oh, that's scary. And whoever pitches it better wins. Alright, here's your victory, Matt. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, this one is going to be Avatar, The Last Airbender. Ooh. Matt, give me your pitch. In a 3D animated style, M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> brings you nothing to do with this film. Avatar, The Last Airbender, starring claymation people and four rabbits in a trench coat as Prince Zuko, the Fire Lord. Did I get that right? <laughs> no. The four benders, airbender, earthbender, Waterbender and Fenderbender <laughs> coming together to, to fight the Fire Nation. To take back in front of you. Alright. Chase, what do you got? <clears throat> Have you ever woken up on the wrong side of an iceberg? Oh, I do. <laughs> Don't ruin my pitch. I had this joke planned. Oh, damn it, I'm lost. Alright. Uh, you just started. Because Matt talked while I was pitching. I laughed. No, you said I better get did I get any of that right when I went right into my thing. Alright, Chase, go. <clears throat> Have you ever woken up on the wrong side of an iceberg? Aang has, with the help of Katara and Sokka, here comes the legendary story of the last airbender. Ron, right on his... I'm just, I don't know what it's doing. <laughs> oh, no! It was going so well! It was so well! Oh. oh, man. Matt wins by virtue of Chase quitting in the middle. <laughs> I guess it is called commit to this, and I didn't... It is! You, you, you flamed out in the middle. I'm sorry. I can't give it to you. Uh, Even no. though if you had finished that, you would have won. I have to tell you. I was going so well, and then I lost the steam, man. I didn't know where to go with it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Commit to This. Hopefully we'll bring this game back in the future so that I can play it. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on to the next segment. 
Every week, we decide who won the week and who was a big old loser. Matt, who won this week? The Illuminati. Uh, because now they know we're doing an episode about them next week, and they know that we know dirt on them. So one way or another, somebody's going to die. <laughs> and that's really good for our viewers. There you go. All right. Chase, who's your winner? Aaron Carter, because of that sick reference. Everybody's going to go back and watch the music video for That's How I Beat Chad, and that is a time-honored classic. <laughs> All right. Uh, for my winner, um, I'm going to go literal with it. Uh, Matt is our literal winner this week. Shut up. Let's get does funny voices and can commit to things and has confidence. Ooh. <laughs> Someone's not bitter. All right. Uh, Matt, who's your loser this week? Myself. What? <laughs> because I feel bad because Chase doesn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chase, who's your loser? Our budding friendship. I didn't mean to do that to you, Matt. Oh, God, this is getting gross. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, uh, for my loser, uh, I'm going to say it's uh, it's me for having to listen to this bullshit. <laughs> Uh, right. I think we all agree, actually, that George was a loser this week. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Friendships mended. All right. <laughs> Moving on. It's time to hear from you, our listeners. All three of you. This week, do we have any mail? Let me take a look here. Oh, my God, we have mail. Laura Levine writes... Hi, Stun Mode. I just finished listening to your newest podcast, Guilty Pleasures, and it got me to thinking. So, several of your Guilty Pleasure TV shows have musical episodes. Grey's Anatomy, Scrubs, etc. So I'm wondering, are you going to make a musical, set, uh, musical episode or segment, too? Sincerely, Laura. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for writing in. Especially uh, after I yelled at you last week. Thank you. Yeah, that was, that was nice of you. Uh, Chase, what, what do you think? Well, I think music is really fun, and I think this is a great idea, so I'm gonna sing to you, Laura. Matt, take it away! <laughs> uh, yes, we are gonna do a musical. Actually, Liza Minnelli will be our guest next week. Uh, she came in earlier, and just so you know, this is just for Laura. She came in earlier today, uh, popped in to finalize the script. Uh, she's going to be here next week. Uh, so yeah, that'll be a musical. There will be a musical number about our subject next week, starting with Liza Minnelli. Uh, and I believe the book. Musical. That's the greatest thing. And I think the book was written um, by Stephen Sondheim. So. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. You just wait. All right, uh, it's been... Steel Beam Magnolias. <laughs> <laughs> this has been your mailbag. Thank you for listening to Mediocre at Best. If you like what we're about, please subscribe and let us know what you're thinking. You can check us out on Twitter at stun underscore mode, or send us an email at stunmodehq at gmail.com. Have a good week, everybody. Bye! Bye, everybody. Bye.